This is Hacking the Afterlife podcast with Jennifer Schaefer. Jennifer! Richard! Where have you been? I have been everywhere and nowhere all at once. I have been here at <laughs> Portugal. I went on this amazing retreat in Portugal and had probably probably one of the best times in my life. Wow. Yeah, between Portugal and going to all different cities there and then going finishing up in London for five days was just spectacular. So were you talking to spirit while you were over there? Oh, the whole time, practically. Yes. And did they have Portuguese accents over there? (laughs) (laughs) There were actually, a lot of people were actually amazed at the fact that their parents didn't have, like when they passed, they didn't know any, you know, they didn't know any English, but yet I got all the information correct. correct. All right. You know what? If you don't mind, let's talk to the audience a little bit about that. We've missed you desperately. You know, all I get is mail saying, why are you still here? Where's Jennifer? Um, but let's talk about that. How is it that you're accessing people who are no longer on the planet, who are from other countries, who never spoke English a day in their life? How do you understand what they're saying? We have to work with this noggin. So I understand what they're saying because it's not the language comes in my language. So no matter who they are, you know, I've had, a, I've had several different groups in my office that um, are, that only spoke Japanese, for instance, and they had a translator and I got all the information. It just comes in my language. It's you. So when I'm talking to the other side and projecting my thoughts, so they get, I'm sure there's some translator over there. I don't know why Juana just raised her eyebrows. I'm sure she knew we were going to talk about this. Well, that is, she is the translator. That's the translator. Right. Oh, she just showed me something like, so when I first came out of my closet and put, you know, got a website and everything else, um, my tagline was translator of spirit. It's on my website. It's just kind of funny. And she showed that to me, but that's really, really what it's about. You just doesn't matter. There is, it's a universal language over there for me. So it's almost, I mean, if we were going to put it into words that we could understand, it's, it's telepathy, the idea of thinking a thought. And and of course we've talked about this before you get images. Sometimes you get sound. Sometimes you get whole sentences. Sometimes you'll get a visual and then you're translating what the visual is into like, you know, if you see a portrait of a father you'll say, I think this is about so-and-so's father, et cetera. Right. And their personalities come through. So even if I don't know the language, I can feel their personalities. Like I can feel when the mother is completely proper and I already like start straightening up my back. Like there's where she only speaks, you know, German and I don't know German. I know a little bit of French. I know a little bit of Italiano, but I don't know. You know yeah. Like the, the ins and outs. No, and we've done this, we've done this so often, you know, in the past six years where we've had somebody show up and, you know, we'll say, can we talk to so-and-so? And we're not thinking or asking like, you know, how are you translating? It's just, they show up and they start and I ask questions and then they give us answers. And it's like, we're already running down the hill. You know, we're not stopping to see like, how is this working? You know? No. no. It was Portugal, such a beautiful country. And I took three COVID tests in the last five days because there's a script about you cannot travel without having, you know, a COVID test. Then you have to take a COVID test two days afterwards when you're in the country. And then you have to take a COVID test. And that one doesn't count. Even if you're leaving in two days, you have to take another test. Well, I mean, I I can say that makes sense. It's insane that we don't have that here. 
you know? absolutely cr- it's so good that they do that you know it makes yeah. me feel better yeah you know? but things are sort of you know people are out in the street it's just so much fun to see oh people that's great again you know yes i know what you mean anyway so luan is here and i don't want to uh right. not address her immediately and for those tuning in for the last time or the first time Luana is my friend who passed away in 1996 has become our friend who does the same kind of work that Jennifer does, but only on the other side of the veil where she helps orchestrate our conversations and helps to translate uh, what people over there are saying, because we are talking about a frequency change that whether it's slowing their frequency down so that then Luana can then take what they're thinking or expressing and then show them how to communicate and answer those questions. So does any, does Lou have anybody on her guest list that wants us, she wants us to talk about or. She wants to talk about Portugal. And did you guys ever go to Portugal? Cause then she's showing me you. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. That's a very unusual thing for her to say. Um, do you want to show Jennifer what it is that, you're referring to because I I know what you're no, referring I mean, to. You showed me out on a boat, like close to the water. Then it's water. Okay, it's water related. Okay, it's something that looks a little bit like a boat. Um, I don't know if I'm watch- looking at it offshore or if it's on. Like I can't quite make it. Can out. you see like a building or a structure that's near water? That's really what we're talking about. I just saw like a bri- like a bridge of being able to go through it. Very good. Okay, right next to this building is a beautiful bridge. Uh, the building in question was designed by Luana's friend who's been in our class. I mean, we've talked to people who are friends of his in our class, Frank Geary. Frank Geary, the architect, and the created Frank the Frank Geary, was a friend of Luana's, and he designed the, the Guggenheim Museum in Bilbao. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And when I went there to Bilbao mm-hmm. some years after Luana passed away, I thought, oh, you know, she loved Frank. He was a super nice guy. Very, very he polite. Wants, he wants to talk. Give me a second. Go ahead. Go ahead um, you went to like three different places or three different countries. It looked like almost like a grid. Yes, that's correct. And you said that you lost your, you lost your passport or something happened with your passport. I lost my wallet. Yeah, I was. Wallet. Yeah, briefly. Okay. And then she said it was really funny, though, because you panicked. You were freaking out. But then it was fine. It um, was funny because I was I was in a restaurant in Cannes during the Cannes Film Festival, and I realized I was missing my documents, and I was in a blue panic. And then I just started talking to this person who was from uh, Portugal, who was like, well, you ought to come to Portugal sometime. And my brain just shifted from panic to, oh, that's an interesting idea. I, yeah, I've never seen the Guggenheim. But so, yes, I was in France, and then I was in Spain, and then I was in Portugal. And wow. I, I stopped with uh i carry some of her ashes with me wherever i go around the planet because i asked her what do you want me to do with your ashes and she said take them wherever you go and in this case she was there in my pocket and i stopped at this museum and there's a pond there's a like a moat around this beautiful it looked like a moat i didn't understand it though and i scattered some of her ashes there and then i had the great fortune to run into frank some years later a christmas party and I told him, I said, you know, I had, and he was so pleased to hear that, that some of his friend's ashes are in his building in Bilbao. So that's unusual for her to point that out. Yes, Luana and I have been to Bilbao. But and point out that there was three places you went to. 
that she mentioned, you know, that she said. Yeah, that's correct. She's absolutely correct. She says that, um, oh, I should have gone there. I should have spoken to you before. Um, Obidos? No. She says, if there's any ashes left, I should take her ashes this time. <laughs> yeah, well, traveling ashes. I must say there have been requests from some of her closest friends. And I have done that, given them like a thimble full or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, uh, that's funny. You know, I when I when she said that to me, take them wherever you go. I thought to myself, you know, I'm this broke, out of work filmmaker. And like, I'm not going anywhere. You know, I was trying to think of like what would the best place would be. And boom, when she passed away, suddenly I was in Moscow, she, uh, yeah, India, uh, all over the world and in every sea that you can think of. And I was in Sydney, Australia. True story. I was going to toss some of her ashes out in front of the opera house, but it was a cloudy, cloudy, you know, windy, rainy day. And I stood out there and I got a handful and I threw it out into the sea and because of the wind, it picked it up and blew it right back in my face. And I was covered, you know, comedy from head to, you know, all my shirt, everything. And I kid you not, a rain, a rainbow appeared, light appeared out of the sky, like, and came straight down onto me, like a shaft of light. And I have a fit, picture of it somewhere, like just the irony of me covered in her ashes and, and laughing and, and this light on me when everything around me was dark. It was just an amazing. And so she's in, I plant trees all over the planet. She's an olive tree and a cherry orchard in France. And I could name any river you can think of, really. And, and yeah. some of her ashes are there. And so it's been a wonderful, and I thought, oh, I should write a book, you know, Luana's Ashes. But uh, it's fun. It's a fun thing. And I, I still, to this day, I carry a little bit with me. Um, I love know. that. I truly had the most amazing time. My first olive oil and you know all of my first olive oil tasting and wine tasting together which cool. was spectacular by this beautiful family um and then uh just going to uh obidos obidos it's this huge i mean we went to so many different castles in portugal wow it was just so fun and lisbon oh my gosh how fun is lisbon I mean, it got to be a regular thing coming home at 3 a.m. and not thinking much about it, which is really, I'm like, I would never do that here. Right. They're on a different timeline. We were out till till three o'clock and then I went to have, you know, tea and crumpets in London at the Home House, which is a private club with my girlfriend who is a member there. So much fun. Fabulous. Amazing people. And then went to the Arts Club as well. Somebody took us there the night before. It was just and then I did a wine of spirits, you know, event. It was so much fun. It was just such a great, it was such a great experience for me. Was there anybody that you met in your travels over there that surprised you? Yeah, a cricket player. I, I mean, I mean on the flip side. I don't oh, mean on I don't mean on this side. But a cricket <laughs> player, yeah, that is odd. But yeah. he's amazing though. He's a beautiful guy. Um, kid, maybe. Um Hold on a second. I think I did talk to somebody, but I can't, as you know, I'm not going to remember. I, I know it, go, it kind of goes in one ear out the other. It's funny. I, it's a weird question. I forgot. 
Um, yeah. So, Lou, what what would you like to for us to address today? We've only got Jennifer for a short amount of time today. So, what would be on our plate? I know. Make more time. I will. Oh, she says, just ask for help with acclimating back. Do you have her in your kitchen? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's, she's not in between the sugar and the flour. No, but uh, close enough. I mean, okay. where our apartment is, she overlooks the kitchen. She overlooks the kitchen. Okay. That's correct. I mean, an arm's length away. She's saying that she's like part of the sunshine. So does the sun, is it by a window? Does the sunshine come in? Okay. Sunshine comes right in, hits her cupboard. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> it's probably safer that way. So she shared with me. Thank you, Luana. She goes with you places, even though you don't have to physically go there. So you know how I'm going, you know, whenever I look into a client or whenever I talk to somebody in spirit or I'm traveling, right? She goes, yeah. it might be safer with the ashes not to do it that way, to go that way versus physically taking her. No, no. Yeah. And of course, I. And she said you had a dream a couple of nights ago. And that um, it was in the morning, she says, like you woke up thinking about something that and I don't know if our friend um the pilot um, Amelia Amelia Earhart yeah, Earhart I think they both were talking to you in the morning does that make sense to you at all it does make sense to me unfortunately but let's let's speak let's allow Amelia to step forward I was referring and talking about her today actually so Amelia is there something you want to say you're always welcome to chat with us People, fans of the book, Hacking the Afterlife, know that you're quite involved in that. She's saying don't give up. <laughs> you know, some of me feels like when I get back to the flip side, let's just put it that way, we're going to make these great movies about people's lives because we can do that, you know, construct them. Completely. You don't need any money to construct an incredible epic. Right. I, You know, I know what she's saying. She's saying, look, it's... Look, her story is a fascinating story, and we've talked about it quite a bit with her, and it's a it's a story that should be told. And and I get, you know, as a filmmaker, I'm able to get it to certain people, and we'll see. You know, all of them act like, yeah, we're going to do this, and then they go, I don't know, you know how, they don't know where to begin. Yeah. yeah. But that's yeah. okay. I, you know, listen, is there, I mean, she introduced to Carl Lemley, which was such an unusual thing, brought her film producer in really yeah we uh it was some months ago she said a you said a producer was here and and that it was related to amelia and i'm the only person on the planet that i know of who knows that she wrote a screenplay for universal pictures when carl lemley ran it and i said is the producer carl lemley because that's the only one i could think of and yes it was and then we interviewed carl in depth and there's a documentary right now playing on, uh, it might be Netflix, but about Carl Lemley, of his life story. He's an incredible guy. And I didn't know any, we didn't know anything about him. I didn't know anything about him, but it, he saved all these Holocaust people, the entire town that he grew up in Germany, he saved them. And he told us these incredible stories about how he's a filmmaker over there creating incredible scenarios. He was behind all, all the horror films, Frankenstein, Dracula, you know, he was the one who, who came up with the idea we need to do this kind of picture. 
Anyway, he's an amazing guy. The documentary is fantastic. I happened to talk to the filmmaker. I did not mention to him because it was too weird that I had interviewed Carl like only a week earlier before my conversation with him. If you can imagine, the guy made a film about Carl Emley, had sold it to Netflix. And then we had our conversation with Carl. And then a friend of mine said, you should talk to this filmmaker. And I looked him up and he had just made this movie. So I, I, you know, we had a long chat about Carl, but I never mentioned that we had spoken to him like a week ago. It's just one of those weird, you know, coincidence. Another weird coincidence thing. Yeah. So Lou, is that, what do, what would you, what do you want to talk about? I mean, Jennifer hasn't been here. I know you want to catch us up and give us. She's making, I don't know if she's making fun of me. She goes, it must be fun being you in a different country. I was called the unicorn everywhere I went. <laughs> That's funny. Because I'm, un- I'm unique, whether it's the way I look or the way, you know, with what I do or whatever. It's just, I'm the unicorn. I'm something different. I'm the same, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily the unicorn here. There's tons of blondes with named Jennifer, with sisters named Heather, you know, whatever it is. It's just funny to me. Um, <laughs> well, I, you do like that symbol, don't you? That is like kind of a symbol you like. I showed you, I sent you a picture that yeah, said you did. workspace. Cute. Unicorn workspace. I do. I've always loved it. Um, what did she say? Hold on. Okay. There's something about, and I don't know if it's something about you shouldn't become afraid of what you're doing. You shouldn't be afraid. She's talking about in general life, people, just people on the planet. Or are you talking about me in particular? People on the planet. That's interesting. People on the planet. All right. All right. Let's, it's a little ah. bit about process. It has to do with me being feeling so free wherever I go. You know, a lot of people still, hold on. Let me make sure I'm getting this right. Oh, people have fear. There's still a lot of fear with COVID. There's still a lot of fear of people dying. And that hasn't gone away. And fear of talking to people on the other side, because they've been told by religious leaders, don't do that. You know, I get quotes all the time from people quoting the Bible. So the Bible clearly says, don't do that. And I write back, you know, who wrote the Bible? Well, I write back, you know, we've been told this by people on the flip side. The Bible is metaphor. That's not a negative thing, but it means you're supposed to look at it as a guidebook, not as a history book or a rule book. But that being said, which upsets people, try not to fear talking to your loved ones on the other side. Is that what you're talking about, Lou? Yes. And oh, so part of it has to do with they're, they're afraid that they've done something wrong, which makes it even worse. That fear of like, uh, they're going to see that I made a mistake or something like right. that. But and so pe- people aren't aware that when you step off stage, you go back to being an actor off stage as opposed to being the actor you were on stage. So it's important to consider that as well as that they still love you. The people that right. you loved, they still like you. They still want to be in their life. Every they still time, want to communicate. Every time I'm going to ask my dad, things, sure, why not? Every time I feel guilty or bad about something that wasn't, you know, whatever. Um, like maybe I had too much to drink one night. We're talking a while ago. Okay. What was the sure? Why not? Was that you? Asked asked- my dad. I asked my dad if I can use the example he gave me. He said, okay. sure. Why not? Thank you. 
And every time I feel like I've done something wrong, my dad will come in and make something so funny. Like he'll remind me of like my mom asking, did he find his six wives up there? <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about mom? But she, she had it in her head. She goes, well, you do know there's not enough good men up there in heaven. <laughs> so that's why they have more wives. I'm like, okay, mom. I mean, the whole thing is just so funny. Like he'll make me laugh. Give So when you start feeling bad that you've done something wrong because of what you've, what your tribe you know, has given you growing up or whatever it is, give them a, a chance to make you laugh. Cause that's what they're doing. They're like, you've got to be kidding me. Stop feeling bad about this. I've realized, and I'll ask them. Guilt is the most not wasted element, but guilt is what keeps you chained to something that doesn't even exist. Like it keeps you, show me again. Guilt is what binds everybody. <laughs> you just showed me something else that was funny. Um, but to like the chains, the right. chains that keep us attached to the experience we've had on the planet, let's say. So uh, guilt, you know, you did something, you hurt somebody, et cetera. And of course, in many cases, people really have hurt people and really yeah, done that, that sort of that thing. Case, but when you're talking about yourself and you feel guilty about stuff that you're doing, not about, not about hurting anyone, of course, don't hurt anyone, but they're just saying like, you know, guilt manifests itself in it's in your body. Like if you hold on to things or if you feel bad about something and you're not even willing to, to even reach out or talk to your loved one. Well, let me ask her, let me ask her this question, Lou. I tell people sometimes to think of it as a game. You're playing a game, you know, like you're doing a family game. You're sitting around the table. If you right. think of it as a game that you're going to talk to your loved one on the flip side, it's a game. And therefore you're not attached to it emotionally. Like this is them. This is not them. This is a game I'm playing. I'm going to try this game to see if I can converse with them. And right. I, in the game, I show them how to converse with me. I get them to nod, shake their head, or shrug in my mind's eye. That's the part of the game. But then I point out, unless when you ask, is this you? Unless they go, then they're not participating in the game. So you have to make them do this, even if you imagine it. It gives right. them the ability to understand the game. And then you start asking questions you don't know the answer to. Who was there to greet you? Who are you hanging out with? What do you miss? And when you hear an answer before you can ask the question, it pops us in response. Then you know you made a connection. Does that help? Yep. As soon as you said that, I'm like, I asked my dad, what do you miss? And he just grabbed me and just the way we used to dance together. You know, and that was before I could even, you know, before I finished. Before you could even think it. The idea is, you know, when you ask somebody, what do you miss? And of course, they tell us that they can construct anything over there, anything. But but the tactile sensations are very difficult. One person said to me, you know, you think about hugging a tree, you know what it feels like. It's hard and you can actually feel that. Over there, mental trees, it's more spongy. So the tactile sensation, holding someone's hand is unique to this field, this campsite, yeah. this stage. Right. Holding someone in your arms and dancing with them, very unique to hear. Luana mentioned wind in her hair, because I remember I asked her what she missed on the planet, and she said driving in a car with the top down and having the wind, because you can't create wind over there. It's very hard. 
You can remember your wind, the time it happened to you, but to create it, you know, right. I, I would assume like rainstorms, they're just hard to, there's too many factors, too much mass. Right. That's so interesting. So Lou, uh, any notes or thoughts about your pals or your peeps or? I just got shown Jack. Very good. That's why I asked. I was talking about with him today with a very close friend of, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I was talking about him today with a very close friend of Lou's and a close friend of his. And we were just talking about this idea of being able to realize that some part of ourself is always home. That some part of Jack is and he was out at the Laker game the other day with his son, Ray, who's like starring in movies now, which is fantastic. Ray's an adorable, wonderful person. But I just thought it was uh, fascinating to see that he was out in the world and, you know, enjoying himself, which is a great thing to see. But I also am aware that some part of him, Luana, is already hanging out with. Is that true, Lou? Absolutely. More so now. I think. Hold on. As we get older, the more we're hanging out back home. Yes. That's That's one way to put it. That's what she just showed me. And so, you know, I guess when you start realizing you're hanging out more on the flip side than you are here, that would be an indication like the bus is coming to pick you up. The train is leaving the station. It's his younger self, too. So they're having a lot more fun. Isn't that interesting? So for those of who aren't aware of what I'm talking about, Luana was a bike messenger at MGM. And so was Jack Nicholson, the two of them. And Luana was in an acting class with Jeff Corey. And it was her suggestion to Jack that he join her in this classroom. And sometimes Jennifer and I talk about a film that Luana wrote about that era, which Fred Roos, the producer of all the Godfather films, has in his hands and is trying to get someone to finance. But it's a wonderful story about friendship between two young actors who, you know, were bike messengers and teenagers, and they had a quality and an unusual uh, relationship. So the fact that, you know, of course, everybody who met the guy when he was young loved him, you know, fell in love with his charm. And same with Luana. All of her friends that I know, you know, I I didn't meet her until I was in my late 20s and she was older and so all of her friends you know it's interesting because you you don't meet somebody in life until they're you know they're already on the train right you know that you've missed the whole leaving the state all that stuff you missed all that and now Andiamo. you just know them Andiamo. now you just know them from this point forward but right. then the older you get the more you start to realize all the other stations they were at along the way yeah. especially through their friends and you know conversations that you have and this unusual thing that we do where we're conversing with her somebody who passed away 27 years ago no yeah some i don't know while ago decades ago as if she was here in the room and answering our questions live and in person it's very unusual and we, we do it to show people that anybody can you don't need to be me you don't need to be jennifer you don't need to be lou but you do have to be open to the possibility that you can converse with them. If you, if you're not that, then you already miss out and it's already, you know, 
like game over almost. I can't explain it. Well, I mean, think of it. We're in a play. And at some point, all of us, at some point, we're in the third act of the play. If we're so lucky. And what happens is our friends start to disappear off stage. They go away. I, we know they go home, but they're not on stage anymore. And so you get this thing of everything shutting down slower, slower. And if you realize, oh, my gosh, all my friends are in the audience. If you allow that's possible, even just a, as a test, can I chat with people in the audience? And then you get a response. <laughs> Boom. The whole It's like turning the lights on the theater and realizing you're not the only person on stage by yourself hanging out. Right. There's tons of people in the audience and they all love you and they want to hang out with you and they want to chat with you. And I, I find it incomprehensible when people tell me you shouldn't speak to people no longer on the planet. And I think, why not? Why? But it's it's so, like so healing and they, and they want to talk to us. They're always doing it, even if we're not aware. And their perspective is completely open in a completely different way. You know, yeah. whether it's like you said earlier, chuckling, making you laugh at yourself, because they're not only aware of this lifetime, they're aware of other lifetimes where right. you did the same thing. No one has ever said that they wish they would have held back. I have great point. Hear, I have yet to hear that from anybody in spirit saying, I wish I wouldn't have had that last one. I mean, think about it. If you knew that, I know this sounds funny, but if you knew that having sex, like you're having, you're having sex with someone and that you knew that it was going to be the last time you were ever going to have sex, wouldn't you make it last? Like, <laughs> once you make it amazing, wouldn't you make it like last for it? Like you never know when the last time you're going to have sex. You never are going to know that. Right. That's hilarious. And it is kind I, of funny. I know, I know that sounds right, but they're just like, nobody wants you to hold back. Of course, don't hurt someone. Don't, you know, within your rules or guidelines, everybody has different rules or guidelines, but just have fun. Stop moping around. Stop thinking life is so miserable when we have sunny days, we still have oxygen. We still have things to do people to see. You know, we all get stuck in our heads. Cappuccinos to have and pizza to, to, and tapas. I guess you probably had some of that in Portugal. Yes, I did. Oh, the so much food. That's like, so fabulous. I just want to point out that, and I'm trying to remember exactly who it was, but in one of our books, Backstage Pass to the Flipside. Um, oh, by the way, I was going to say, somebody said that. You know, they said that sentence, exactly what you said, which was, you know, because we asked somebody what they regretted and, and they said something like nobody. I've never heard anybody over here say, I wish I had done that thing. Right. Because I hear anyone say, I wish I would have worked more. <laughs> right. I, don't hold back your love. That's key. Don't open your heart. You can love everyone. You can love everyone, but the only way it's to love everyone, it's not a cliche, you have to love yourself. Women By the way, so mean to, women are so mean to their bodies. They can, we, can, we, we can look in a mirror and just pick out all the crap that we don't like about ourselves. It sends a negative response neurologically to our body. People have to understand our thoughts are so real and so like 
I mean, it's insane what we go through. And yet if we just sit there and just love our bodies for being tough and for giving us children or whatever it is, it sends a response that makes us feel better and in return makes us look better. There you go. And it's also related to what we're talking about because you do feel that way when you're outside your body, when you're off planet and you look back at your journey and you think about all the time you wasted uh, feeling bad about yourself, all the time you wasted feeling bad about somebody else, being angry, carrying that anger or because you were slighted or jealousy. If you just let it go, just let go. You know, in the first session I did on Flipside, in Flipside, the book, that's what my counsel said to me. I said, if there's any sentence that I could bring back to the planet, what would it be? Not realizing I'd get one. And they said, just let go. Just let go. And now I realize it, it refers to anger, uh, resentment, jealousy, all that stuff that we carry with us on a daily basis. So anyway. I just wanted to let you know that our books are now in hardcover. <gasps> what? Yeah. This is something that Amazon allows the authors to do. While you were out goofing around, playing around the planet, I was actually creating hardcovers. Hardcovers, was, you know. I was carving, carving the wood and <laughs> printing all the pages. And now, you know, when Jeff Bezos isn't going up to space, his company is actually allowing authors like me and you to create hard covers of books. So people who really want to have a doorstop, you know, or something to prop up their feet when they're having their cappuccino and pizza, Stop they're it. all available online. It's just I a funny thing. That. I'll get you some. So, so when I see you, hopefully I see you soon. Uh, I think I only have you for 30 more seconds. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. How, is, uh, how did I know that? Hmm, maybe that came from the stars. Maybe that came from the stars. All right, next week is our Halloween show. Uh, you should dress up. I dress up every day. <laughs> well, I I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do some of those things that you can do on Zoom now. Make faces. Make that's so funny. I will dress up. I'm actually working on Halloween. Oh well. Wow. All right, cool. Well, we. What are you doing? My week is so busy. So, so next week on Monday night, I have a wine and spirits event. Tuesday, I work all day. Wednesday, I have another wine and spirits event. So people can sign up for your wine and spirits events at yeah. your website, jenniferschafer.com, correct? Um, they're in different places. I haven't, even put, I haven't had a chance to put them up on my website. I think they might be sold out. I have to double check. Okay, but, but that's where they would find them in the future. Ones, and then I have another charity event on Saturday. And Friday is my daughter's senior night. Oh, what fun. I know. I'm exhausted thinking about my schedule next week. <laughs> well, I want to tell the audience that are listening in for the last time. I'm kidding. Um, I've been to Jennifer's Wine and Spirits events. They're mind-bending, mind-blowing. They're really fun. And it's fun for everybody. Plus, you get some wine, you know, for those who want to partake in wine. You know, would you like a little cheese with that wine? Whining yeah. about your loved ones on the flip side? They're so fun. Think about how much, because they get the stage as well. So I bring them through. I mean, people just laugh and laugh and they can't believe it. I mean, I had so much fun in London doing it. I had so much fun in, you know, in Portugal, yeah. And Portugal, Laura. It was just, you know, I just loved Well, on behalf of your thirsty audience, we're very glad that you're home. 
Thank to you, impart Anna. some more knowledge to us. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. And Jennifer, we love you. And we will catch you on the flip side. Love, love. Love, love. Ciao. This has been Hacking the Afterlife podcast with Jennifer Schaefer. For more information, jenniferschaefer.com, martinizone.com, or richmartini.com. Hacking the Afterlife documentary is available on Gaia.com via Amazon Prime.